This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's political and everything beyond on Beyond Politics. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show for your Thursday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Brett here today. Hi, Brett. How are we? All right. How about you? All right. Did the Twins lose that game today? It was oh, in the well, ninth inning when I got. I was coming here. And not like they have a lot to play for well, right now. Well, they did actually. They could. They could actually have still caught them. They're not going to get the two seed. There. I think we're locked into the. the well, now we series. now we are because yeah. they lost to Oakland. Oakland. This is why you know they have something to play for, and they're not playing very hard. This is why I still think to myself. Yeah, we'll have most of our October open. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's going to be too. It's going to be too overwhelming as far as the baseball schedule goes. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Coming up in a little bit, Kirk Bankstad is going to join us. Uh, of course, Minocqua Brewing Company. We know him from them. Uh, he is teamed up with Patty Vasquez, and on Thursdays they're doing a little segment talking about kind of the evils of school vouchers, which you know. Can I just say once again how grateful I am to live in Minnesota? Ooh. Needless to say, it's a fight that that's going that's going on in in other states as well. Well, uh, primarily Wisconsin, and we'll we'll talk about that and 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 you know the kind of the the purpose and the urgency of why they're doing that segment. And then of course you can listen to that segment tonight in the eleven o'clock hour right here on AM nine fifty. And if you haven't been here. It is spectacular. The evenings here are spectacular. Rick Smith at 8. We've got uh, the Ghost Box radio guys coming in. Greg Bakken coming in at 10 o'clock. And then Patty Vasquez at 11. It's just top-notch radio programming. I can't tell you how tickled pink I am to be part of this whole this whole menagerie of joy. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. They lost to Oakland! That don't, they, 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 you can't comfort me on this, man. They lost to Oakland. Well, to get the two seed, wouldn't have they had to go basically undefeated with yes, the Rangers they, losing well, the rest of their games? It's not like we're playing a major league team when we're playing Oakland, okay? Uh, that's a good point with Oakland. <laughs> so, so good. We're playing Colorado next. Tell me we're going to lose two or three of there, probably. Oh, they have Colorado. They're, aren't they're, they the worst team in the National League? I yes, think? they are. Yeah. It kind of played out for us here, but needless to say, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Speaking of worst teams, Delta. Uh, Delta Airlines. <laughs> Delta, why am I being? I don't need to be that mean to Delta Airlines. They're fine. Have you? Fl- I've flown Delta multiple times. They're fine planes and fine crew. I, I like the little Biscoff cookies. They're tasty. There you go. <laughs> Delta just sent a message. Delta, Delta has determined Don't I'm mess wrong. With Delta. Don't mess with Delta. You might want to screw that on next time. Just uh, <sighs> a little earthquake for people watching it there. Yeah, Yeah. just uh, FYI. The, the camera just fell down in the studio. But what else is new? Um Anyway, uh, Delta Airlines, they're a fine airline, fine airline, Sun Country, 
Fine airline. I have no problem with them. Delta Airlines screwed up royally a few weeks ago when we we, we talked about it. It's like, how do you go on out there and basically not, you know, go punish your most loyal customers? And how do, how do you do that? I mean, it, it is a, a, a problem and something that is kind of perplexing to say the least. And they did that through their their rewards program. I mean, this you know, their rewards programs are built on the idea that you're basically saying, hey, we, we appreciate your loyalty. And so to go back to them and say, hey, we're going to dangle that carrot a little higher for you wasn't good. Needless to say, we talked when we talked about this the other day with Rita, uh, uh, Gita, rather, Gita from uh, the Star Tribune, we said, my guess is going to be that this is going to be a, a case where the they're going to review this and change it. And lo and behold, Delta Airlines Chief Executive Ed Bastian said early this week that the airline plans to walk back some of the controversial changes coming to its rewards program. Speaking at the Rotary Club of Atlanta on Monday, remember, they're not local, Bastian said the Atlanta-based airline had received a lot of feedback and changed uh, on the changes announced on September 13th that essentially made achieving status through the SkyMiles program a lot harder while also raising the threshold assessing it to get into its airport lounges. No question we probably went too far in doing that. <laughs> this is this is two weeks ago. Hey, yeah, we really screwed up. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> we're idiots. Uh, no question we probably went too far in doing that, Bastion said. Our team wanted to kind of rip the band-aid off and didn't want to have to keep going through this every year with changes and nickeling and diming and whatnot. So I think we moved too fast. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, this is business management 101. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, very Victorian England, London. You know, next year, we're gonna, you're going to lose the heat in your house. So enjoy it now. You're nice and warm now, right? We, have should, have, uh, we should have screwed over the customers a little bit slower. Yeah, no, not, uh, not all right off the bat, yeah. You know, clearly we're going to just absolutely, you know, disrespect the crap out of you but <laughs> we didn't want it all at once we wanted to kind of be like that surprised boyfriend that all of a sudden you realize what the hell am i doing with him <laughs> um consequently bastion said the airline will reevaluate the overhaul which aimed to base so- status solely on the amount of money flyers spend with the carrier or via their sky miles american express credit cards rather than miles flown <laughs> money 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 For example, Delta announced plans to raise the threshold for its lowest status level, silver medallion, from $3,000 to $6,000 spent in 2024 or 2025 status, which is a pretty substantial flight. I mean, if you are flying by yourself, it's a $500 flight per se every time. They're basically saying you have to go from flying six times a year to 12 times a year to get that base bare level. We're still assessing what we do, but there's been some modifications that we'll make. You'll hear about it sometime over the next few weeks. We love you guys. And I had the we love you guys for Bastion at the end of that. Bastion explained the intent behind the program alterations was in part because of the rapid increase of status holders through the pandemic. Like many travel rewards programs, Delta made it easier to maintain, maintain status and even earn a higher level to account for the limited travel due to COVID-19. But that meant the number of Diamond Medallion members Sky Miles' highest tier almost doubled. Which, which, once again, is this a problem? You guys act as if this is a problem. 
We're wildly popular. Well, we need to stop that. Um, we don't need to. We we need to make certain that we can serve our higher tiers with the level premium experience that you deserve and you expect. It's just a way they excess our occur uh, in a way in excess our current base that it's unsustainable where we're at now. Or you just hire some more people, you freaking knuckleheads. Seriously, or you just hire a few more people. When Delta announced the changes, it was the latest example of the airline's broader move towards reserving its most desired benefits for an increasingly exclusive group of cardholders and flyers. As a result, the change of SkyMile members would need to spend more on Delta travel and to charge much more to their credit cards, turn point perks such as first class upgrades, complimentary airport club access, and more. Delta, the dominant carrier at Minneapolis-St. Paul, has slowly shifted its frequent flyer program away from awarding miles flown in favor of higher spending or medallion qualifying dollars. <laughs> One would have to spend more than $6,000 on Delta or without spending a dollar on the airline, $120,000 on a Delta Sky Miles credit card next year. $120,000. Uh, yeah, okay. That's, that's kind of pricey. That's a lot. That's $10,000 a month on, your, on one credit card. Just to earn the lowest status tier, Delta's also confirmed this month it plans to cap the number of entries to its Sky Club uh, starting February 1st for premium card holders. This move outraged many who've been loyal to the carrier for years. Duh. I mean, it, it, and once again, it just this is just stupid business 101. I mean, okay, I get it. You are, you're taking the Super Bowl mentality. Which is, if you go to the Super Bowl, I mean, say the Super Bowl was here in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Clearly, the Vikings wouldn't be playing in it. But say we wanted, I, you know, Brett and I wanted to go get some tickets and go see the game. The best seats we probably could get, even if we could get them, would probably be the top 10 rows in the upper deck corner, and that would be it. Anything below the upper deck is going to be corporate sponsors, big wigs, Delta Airlines, that sort of thing, Coca-Cola, these guys who basically are we're, we're, are going to spend $2 million to buy out two rows of seats so the executives can go on out there um, and and either with their wives or mistress, mistresses and, and have some fun. I I don't know. I mean, it's up to you. You, you know, you know drink responsibly. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know who's coming with you. I'm just saying that that's what the deal is. I mean, it's Frito, it's Tostitos, it's, it's you know, crypto. I mean, that's what you got in the lower deck. You don't have anything else. You know, and, and that goes for the executive, you know, boxes as well. I mean, it's all, I mean, granted, you got a lot of executives there, but I mean, it's it's the wealthiest of wealthy. You don't, you don't get into that game unless you are, you know, you know, every show at Coachella rich in the front row. I mean, that's that's kind of how you get in there. And it sounds kind of like that that's what Delta was trying to do here is kind of get to a point where they're you know, it's you know, this is this is just for the rich people because I want to stop. I mean, so your Delta Sky Miles credit card is $120,000. I've got 3 kids. I put the majority on one credit card. Now I got one credit card that's got a nice cash back thing on it and I enjoy that. And we sell all the groceries, all the gas, all that stuff, all go on one credit card. We rarely get above, rarely get above half that. Half that. I mean, rarely. So, I mean, so the mere fact that you are saying just to get to the lowest level on this program, you have to spend $10,000 on a credit card, then you're only talking about at best, 
lower upper class. I mean, at best, people who have that much discretionary income and are buying things constantly beyond just groceries and if they have like their their monthly bills on their credit card or something like that. You know, I, I just, I, you know, this is... Sometimes I, I think you guys are too stupid for your own good. And I, and I, and I, I don't get me wrong. I don't run an airline. I, I don't have experience running an airline. I've taken a lot of flights. But this, is, this goes just basically to how do you screw over your most loyal customers? And at no point, I mean, did you guys just think it's all going to be, you know, Beyonce and Taylor Swift and that's all that was going to be in this? And that's because that would be awesome. No, if, if you're having a program where basically through a basic loyalty program, and once again, I want to just say what they used to be was if you had a $500 ticket, you were by yourself, you had to fly six times in one year. That's a lot of flying for most people. I mean, most people might take one flight a year, might. So you already have people who are once every two months taking a flight. Yeah, that's that's a no-brainer. You build a brand loyalty, you keep them there. This idea that, that this Bastion's idea is like, oh, we, we should have uh, not, you know, pulled the Band-Aid so quickly. Well, you know, maybe you shouldn't have pulled the Band-Aid at all. Expand out your damn, you know, Sky Lounge or whatever it is hire a few more employees to help process the requests. And this is a problem I think most businesses today would love to have. And yet you guys act as if, well, it's not Beyonce and Taylor Swift, so screw them. <laughs> I bet Taylor gets over 120 a year on the credit card. I bet you. I mean, just moving some of those amps and speakers around, that's going to be pricey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's in the... She's in their top tier program. How many, how many tra- uh, Kelsey, uh, you know, Kelsey jerseys does she have to buy each year for that? That's that's quite a, <laughs> quite a few there. But don't get me wrong, she'll do it too. Uh, she'll give one to every one of her Taylor Nation, and that's going to be the end of it. But hey, then she qualifies for the lowest level of the Delta Sky Miles program. The lowest level. It would be great if she just qualified for the lowest. You got to work a little harder there, Taylor Swift. Uh, you're an international yeah, star. But. I'm sorry, you can't get into the Sky Lounge till later. There's a vending machine over in Concourse. You know, off you go. <laughs> okay, you're screwing up. By the way, uh, I'm going to be taking a flight before too long. Sun Country, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I'm just saying, I don't have $120,000 to do this, all right? And plus, the fact, we already know, Delta wants to be nowhere near their gold sky club. <laughs> I'm kind of the antithesis of what they would want. Especially then. if you're wearing the shirt we talked about yesterday that many of our listeners want you to no, make. No, the, the, the T-shirt, yep. the, the, the Caravan of Lunacy T-shirt yep. with my face on the shirt and then on the back of it, the, the details of the show. You'd fit right in in that Delta Oh, Gold Sky Lounge or whatever it's called. Only if the shirt was like three sizes too small for me. <laughs> so it was up over my belly. Oh, you got like yeah. a 1980s football player going. Yeah, Will, Will Ferrell in the, the yeah. cowbell sketch. You know, belly showing. Hey there. Is this a place for drinks? <laughs> I can't imagine what it would do to my face to have it stretched that tight. It's like. Looks like he has jowls. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. More when we do return. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. 
950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Um, this is one of those stories that I, I just... <laughs> I sometimes am stunned at how we treat crime. If you are a, now, now I'm not talking about a carjacking, but if you are a black person in Minneapolis and you steal a car, there are plenty of people who will be screaming at you tomorrow going, lock him up tomorrow for the rest of his life. He should never come out again. You steal something like, oh, I don't know, $800,000. And people are like, well, you know, you shouldn't throw him away for life. I mean, who doesn't want to be rich? We have a real big problem with our sentencing. Let's just put it that way. A Twin Cities psychologist is going to prison for falsely collecting hundreds of thousands of dollars from the Shakopee, Mendewalk, and the Sioux community for counseling services he did not provide. Charles Howard Jornby, J-O-R-E-N-B-Y, Jornby, 58, of Chanhassen, sentenced last week in U.S. District Court in St. Paul to two years— Two years in prison, three years of supervised release after pleading guilty to felony health care fraud for a billing scheme that spanned more than seven years involving his business, Life Dynamics, in Prior Lake. As part of his guilty plea, uh, the Jornby admitted to an additional fraudulent came to State Farm Insurance in 2017 following a fire at his business office. <laughs> wow. Jornby said he inflated his loss income uh, claim to include earnings associated with fraudulent billings, totaling an additional of $104,000. Judge Susan Richard Nelson's entrance, or excuse me, sentence, rather, should also include an order that he repay the Midwalken and Sioux community $819,000 he stole from the band and the full amount he illegally collected from State, State Farm. So I want to stop right there, if I can. You stole $819,000 from anyone, $819,000. I mean, that almost gets you up into the Delta Sky Miles Club, man. I tell you what, that's some good beer. <laughs> that's a really eight. Wow. He, he could Delta Sky Miles for what? Six years. Wow. So yeah, you did this to yourself, guys. You're going to be the butt of those jokes for a while with me. Um, $819,000, and you gave him two years in jail. Two years. Guy steals a car worth, say, $40,000, and you're, lock him up for life. But white guy steals $819,000. And, well, you know, first of all, Matt, who doesn't want to be rich? Everyone likes being rich. Well, I, you know, I... I Wealth does have some benefits, but at the same time, it doesn't validate stealing. Ahead of the sentencing, prosecutors argued in court filings that Jordan B. be sent to prison anywhere from two and a half to slightly more than three years in prison. They didn't even make they didn't even make that easy layup. For many years, he prioritized his family's material comfort and security over the integrity of his professional licensure. The filing note: No, stop it, stop. When you say it like that, he was prioritized his family's maternal material comfort. He stole money to buy stuff. He just he stole money to buy stuff. That's all he did is he stole money to buy stuff. He was looking out for the material comfort of his kids. Screw them. He was stealing money. <laughs> for many years, he prioritized his family's material comfort. 
And he appears to have paid no thought to either the individual Native American people whose identities he used or the broader Shakopee, Midewakan, and Sioux community whose funds he stole. No, he didn't. Did he? In a counterfiling before sentencing, defense attorney Krista Groshek proposed probation and no prison time. Probation for stealing $819,000. Groshek cited, among the other findings, the State Board of Psychology revoking Johnsby's license to practice for at least 10 years. Step- oh, boo freaking who? And his prompt willingness to take responsibility for stealing. Hey, yeah, I stole it all, so don't put me in prison. Wow. In his own words to the court, Jornby wrote, I sincerely apologize to the members of the Shakopee, Midewakan, and Sioux community. Through my actions, this community, which has suffered at the hands of others for over 150 years, was again taken advantage of. You think? Idiot. I reinforce the stereotype that white people can't be trusted. Yeah, yeah you did. And you, and you did it for all of us, so thanks. Jeez. Just on that alone should be five years in the pokey, don't you think? I think so. Raise your hands. According to court documents. I mean, seriously, $819,000. You stole $819,000. Two years? That's how you know the guy wasn't black. I'm just going to be honest. Or a Native American or a Hispanic or Asian. Because if it was any any other minority group, I guarantee it's like, wait, we need to send a tough message here that you can't just do this 20 years. White guy who's, he just trying to feed his kids a wheelbarrow full of food every day. How, how, how is he going to take care of his material comforts for his kids now? Who's going to feed them their daily buffet? According to court documents from January 2013 through February 2020, Jordan B. defrauded Blue Cross Blue Shield Minnesota and the Shakopee Midwalken and Sioux community, which self-funded the account that the insurance draws up from in order to process health care claims for tribal members. Jordan B. submitted bills to the health care insurer for service for at least 29 tribal members. In reality, he used their names and dates of birth without their knowledge to collect payments from this Sioux band. The scheme was sniffed out when the Blue Cross Blue Shield detective some unusually high billing amounts, and chose to look at some of the bills. The review revealed that some of the dates he claimed to be providing in-person counseling service to clients, he was also posting on his public Facebook account showing him on vacation out of state. One prosecuting document read, that's, that's not providing material comforts for his kids. That's going on vacation. And racking up those Delta miles. Oh, those Delta miles, man. Have, if you can get up into that... You know, I mean, it takes, you know, it takes a, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars in a kidney, but man, you can, eventually you can get an extra biscuit candy, uh, cookie bar on, on the flights. I mean, that's just good. That's good eating. Delta. It's, that's just, and by the way, once again, Delta, you deserve every bit of grief you're getting for this, but dear Lord, how do you not lock this guy up for, oh, I don't know. How about 10 years? I'll tell you what, I'll split the difference. 8.19 years. One year for every $100,000 he stole. Because if he, if, let's just be damn honest. If it was discovered there was an African-American who was stealing $100,000, there would be people demanding a 10-year prison sentence to show, to, to, to send a message. Here, all the message you send is, well, don't get caught. You know, watch how you post on Facebook. That's the only message you're sending here. 
Uh, Dynamo Dave is in Duluth. Let's get him really quick before we get into the guest. Welcome on in, Dave. Hey, uh, Matt. Um, it's kind of interesting. Our leaders, we got in Congress. They're supposed to be leaders. And right now, the way the Constitution or whatever is set up, they get paid during a government shutdown. Now, Angie Craig from Minnesota last Friday introduced a bill uh, to stop that. It's, a, it's called the Buy Constituents Cannot Afford Rebellious Tantrums. Handle your shutdown act to halt congressional pay during a shutdown. It was like, this should be uh, splashed over all over the nation so that people know what's going on. We're, we, those, you know, last three government shutdowns, my understanding from the Washington Post, uh, cost American taxpayers combined, those three shutdowns cost American pa- uh, taxpayers $4 billion. And Dave, thank you very much. I, I appreciate the information. No, I don't think they should be getting paid. I don't. And by the way, most of that money it cost was basically to to basically the interest owed on a lot of things and then to ramp back services back up. And so when Ted Cruz came on out the last time they had the major shutdown, he's like, we we sent a message. Yeah, the message is you're a bunch of idiots. That's all you are because you ended up costing us billions of dollars more than if you would have just kept the government open. But, you know, they're stupid. And that's the end of that. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. When we do come back, Kirk Bankshead's going to join us from uh, Min- uh, Minocqua Brewing Company. And also, he's doing a segment now with uh, Patty Vasquez that's going to air tonight. We'll talk to him about that, about schooling and sc- school vouchers. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Find Vinaigrette at 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis or at vinaigrettemn.com. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Hey, boy. What you say, boy? All people here who have been listening to the station know Kirk Banks said. Uh, Minocqua Brewing Company is where he is based at. He is teaming up with our 11 o'clock host, Patty Vasquez, who is, and they're doing a special segment on Thursdays talking about the right-wing attempt to take over public education. Uh, He's kind enough today to join us to talk a little bit about that segment, which, once again, it's on Patty's show tonight at 11 o'clock hour. Make sure you're listening for that. Kirk, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. How you doing, my friend? Thanks to thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it. My my pleasure. Thank you very much for taking up this fight because, like I said, we got a we got a, a you know for the most part a river between these two states, but it is two very different worlds. You know, it's although I think in Minnesota you have to be very aware that if Republicans take over, they're going to try to push this stuff through. But right now we're relatively safe. You're in basically in the state where democracy goes to deny, to die, and <laughs> and, uh, and you know the the Republicans they you know whenever they get control of things they put in their wish list to destroy public education and they do it with glee and a plum. Yeah, I mean it's like yeah, like you know, um, you know we've been kind of. Uh, monopolized by a Republican legislature for now about 12 years, and they they've they've just made it ran. It's amazing how we're probably all descended. We're very most of us are descended from the Swedes or Germans or whatever. But it's amazing how different our state how different our states are, and and Wisconsin's a shambles. And although we keep on voting for Democratic governors, Democratic senators, and Democrat and liberal leaning Supreme Court justices. These Republicans in legislature just won't stop trying to uh, keep hold on to power. And so we finally got, you know, a four to three majority of progressive leaning Supreme Court justices, which means 
the only way we can make progressive change in Wisconsin right now is through to the courts. So we've got about two years until the next uh, Supreme Court election, and we gotta we gotta do the best we can to try to change Wisconsin. And, and I uh, personally um, have I grew up in the public school system in uh, Stevens Point, Wisconsin, right in the middle of Wisconsin, and and you know I had a great education. Wisconsin it was one of the top states. You know, we we were all middle class basically, and somehow or other, we invested in our public schools. And, and when I grew up, we were we were one of the top states for public schools in the country, and right, and it's been been decimated. So a part, a little, I mean, this is my little, uh, my little uh, kind of passion right now is to try to hold on to public schools and try to get them to where they were uh, 20 years ago. And that the only reason, the only way we can do that is to get rid of this private school voucher system. I don't know if you guys even have that in Minnesota. No, we don't. We public schools. And, and we have it. And I, that's what I was going to ask you next. Why don't you, what, for us, we just have that. We do have what's called open enrollment. You can, if you live in one school district, you can re- enroll into a neighboring school district. And of course you always have the option of homeschooling or private school. If you so choose, you're more than welcome to choose that. Uh, you, those are the options. But the reality is, is that we've we've been able to keep away the voucher programs because, well, you know, you see it in every place they put it in there. It's it's ripe for abuse, and the whole point of it is to basically, you know, you know, decimate the public school budget so that they can start making eventually arguments to get rid of public school altogether. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So Wisconsin's this the the first voucher program started in Wisconsin as an experiment in like the '90s. And they've called. They've been able to keep on, keep on winning in the courts every time uh, they're sued uh, because it is detrimental to public schools because they call it an experiment. But it's no longer an experiment now. It's it's uh, it started in Milwaukee. It grew to Racine, and then it and then it grew statewide uh, most recently. And now there's 440 million dollars going towards the voucher school program to. And being taken away from people's property taxes going to public schools, and you're absolutely right. Uh, and, and by the way, another great statistic. Well, it's not great. It's 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 it's, it's it freaks you out. Eighty percent of the kids going to these private schools would have gone to those private schools anyways. Yeah. Uh, and so so basically, you're 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 you are subsidizing basically Catholic schools, especially in in all the areas that are rural. Uh, you know, with with prop with public property tax dollars from people, and and what that what that does is it it does it makes the, the public schools worse. They can't and and all and all the special needs kids because the, the the private schools can turn away special needs kids. So the most expensive kids to educate are left in the public schools, but that they're getting money ripped away from them. So of course the public schools are doing worse. The teachers, you know, they can't pay teachers enough, so the teachers start getting worse. The private school teachers, you know, get or don't even have to be accredited, um, and they can get hired. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a death spiral wherever mm-hmm. this gets put into place, and it's been going on for thirty years, and it has made our public school system worse, which means more and more people are moving to Minnesota. <laughs> well, know, where, where, where they actually have decent public schools we got free and they're sc- investing in the public. We got free school lunches <laughs> over here now, too, for the kids, which is just great. I mean, that's a $500 saving for every taxpayer with kids in the state. So yeah. there you go. Now, you, we, you bring up a point here, and we have to – this is the great lie about vouchers. 
when Republicans want to roll these out in a state, they did this down in Iowa, they do it in all these states. They come on out here and they say, look at this minority student who's stuck in this school and he can't get the education he wants to. And we're going to give this lower lower class minority kid a, a chance to go to a private school. And then what you find out after the fact is that the vast majority of minorities kids are not able to get the vouchers funny the kids that always get the vouchers are generally the wealthiest kids like you said who are already going to private school but now all of a sudden the only difference is is they basically were well i, I the, the 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 tuition that they were playing as as private citizens to go to a private school is now being paid for by taxpayers and when you point this out they you know republicans this is the great lie they just run away from that point because that's the whole point of this is to basically yeah. pay wealthy people's private school tuitions that oh that and there are you know there are some some uh, caps to you know how you get into this program and again the bachelor school some 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 caps which by the way I mean earning caps so you can't make too much money and get these vouchers but those caps are are earmarked to go away in about two years in Wisconsin so it so what the, the scenario you're describing will exist completely 100 percent right in about two years in Wisconsin well but, but right now. Well, I was yeah. going to ask you, though, but one of the things I've noticed about this is that they say a parent who makes more than this amount of money. Well, what they'll do is they'll do it with the one parent who, who is either a stay-at-home parent or doesn't make that much money, and it qualifies kids who, even though the other parent might be making five times the maximum amount, they're, they're, they've always put – Republicans always put a bait-and-switch in these packages that allow even the wealthiest kids to take advantage of them, even though they insist, oh, that won't happen. It's true, and as soon as you get a voucher at any income level, if your parents then income out of that level, they can't take it away from you. Mm-hmm. So there's there are the there are gimmicks within the system, but the uh, even the the more nefarious thing is that you know, I've been called a racist already because I'm trying to beat the voucher system. But the Republicans always say, you know, they're helping people of color in the inner cities where the public schools are really bad. And so if you're trying to go against that. Obviously, you want to hurt people of color, you know, mm-hmm. which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But the the uh, the crazy thing is that these voucher schools that are supposed to be better than public schools are so off, are more often than not the, the average voucher school lasts like three to four years. So they're like pop up schools that are often done in a re- with a religious kind of background. But it could be anybody that starts a private school. And so the best private schools can, can reject whoever they want to reject, and they're going to charge more than the voucher is going to give some poor kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the private schools are still going to be primarily, you know, white, rich people. And, and these pop-up schools are going to be the ones that, are, that, are, that can be completely corrupt and can hire people without any accreditation and can say they're private and better because they're taking, you know, they're getting away from, like, the urban decay or whatever, but there's no way to measure them. Mm-hmm. So what's really happening is just you're, you're, you're giving a false sense of hope uh, to, to an unaccredited school that may or may not be better, but the studies have shown that even when they can reject kids with special needs, um, kids with attention you know, issues, uh, they can reject them, even when they reject them, their test scores aren't any better than what the public schools are. Mm-hmm. So they got a stacked deck full of, full, of, full of kids without any problems, and they're still not scoring any better than the public schools, which means it's, it's a program that doesn't work, but they, con- but they continue to propagate it 
because politically, destroying the public school system, destroying teachers' unions is good politically for the Republican Party. Well, and we do have something similar. We have charter schools here. Same thing in Minnesota. The annual We do annual testing. They test basically 10 points less than the public school system, so they're not good. But what they do is, it's the as you say, they, they people come on in, they open up one of the charter schools, and it's almost always, look, we've got a school uniform. Don't this, don't the, doesn't this make the kids look like they're really studious and you know promises yeah. of oh graduations and all these things and it's it's you know most of the times it's it's just a joke it is this has been like i said let's talk about this on the larger scale here there's i mean there is this underlying current within the republican party where the idea of public school for everyone is is something that they are completely against they do not want an educated public they do not want people uh, you know they they feel as if some people should just be sweeping floors in factories and that's all it should be and that they should never try to get out of that 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 situation they've also yeah. looked at the government is a way to try to get balls of cash that are out there and get them to the private sector. NASA has been decimated. Yeah. The Postal Service, they've gone after that. And public schools is an insane amount of money. And under W. Bush, with his brother, uh, that they basically were able to kneel, they were able to basically you know, start you know, chipping away at this, you know, getting that public dollars from the public school system into these other accounts. Yeah. The one thing that's interesting, though, and as you talked about the cities in Wisconsin that have this, this the voucher program, the thing which is interesting is Republicans have run up into you know, a wall when it comes to wealthy white suburban schools because most of those parents really like those schools and they don't want those schools getting threatened at all. Is is the Wisconsin program still statewide or is it or is it just or is it still per like you know a few cities because I mean is it kind of kind of shying away from those wealthy white suburbs? I mean it is it is so you're getting I'm a, you're a little bit far afield. I'm I'm not an expert. Luckily, the folks that are on my 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 legal team are experts. I'm not exactly sure. I I believe it is a statewide program because uh, money is being sucked out of rural uh, districts um, to go to pretend, a lot of Catholic schools. Those are the only other private schools around in, in smaller towns. So it is statewide uh, for sure. Um, and uh, the yeah the you're right the um, you know the 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 it, it is a bait and switch. Uh, well, yeah, keep on going. I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, well, so it, it's not, it is a statewide program. Well, and it, and it's it's one of those things where in you know that's the problem in Minnesota for Republicans is that you know sure you might get a little traction with the idea of vouchers or charter schools for, for in the inner city schools, but the second you get out into the suburbs, you know the the suburban families and that's where all the swing district voting is from. They don't want their suburban schools touched. They like their suburban schools. They they're very yeah. good suburban urban schools. And so it creates a, a natural defense against Republicans trying to impose some sort of statewide travesty in Minnesota. But it sounds like the Republicans there of the mindset of, uh, we don't care. We're just going to, we're just going to basically go for the cash grab on the public school dollars. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. And that, that was, I was, I was thinking about that when you were, when you were talking, I, there's, there's three ways you can look at this. Uh, but there's really only one way that makes sense. Uh, you know, a, do they do they really want to dumb down everybody so that we be, so that the working class remains working class and can't be media literate so that they can understand that they're being conned by the Republicans? Like, yes, in a huge long term way, but but you know it's that's that's a long game that I don't think anybody can focus on for that long. There, the second thing is what they're using as a way, just saying that kids are being indoctrinated in the public schools because apparently all these public school teachers are flaming liberals which you and I know are, is completely wrong. They're just 
people that care and people that want to emphasize, you know, like empathy and, and acceptance and tolerance, you know, and that somehow is a democratic ideal. But that's, that's what they're using as a wedge, you know, to say you should homeschool your kids or you can't, you can't trust your kids in the public schools because they're going to be indoctrinated. But what it all really leads to is, is a bunch of rich people wanting to get richer with public money. And if you look at our healthcare system, which is just a complete disaster, a lot of people, a lot of that money funnels to certain groups. And so the privatization of prisons, of our health care system, you know, of our, of our child care system, and now of our public schools, helps the rich get richer who can start up businesses around public school, around schooling and education. And that's, that's to me, that's, nine, that's a corrupt, cynic, cynic, cynical but effective way for, for certain people to get richer, and those people donate money to politicians who continue to you know propagate these voucher school systems. Kirk, it's not it's not you know a, you know kind of it's it's not sensational if it's factual, and that's it's factual. And I mean, it, what's going to be interesting for you and Patty on this this show and this little segment you're going to be doing is as you described. I mean, there's a lot of different ways they're going after these uh, the, these the, the schools. They're going after the teachers. They're trying to do the vouchers. They're trying to decrease the budgets. They're trying to control the, the, the what can be taught in schools and stuff like this. Uh, you you yeah. know, I, we could talk. I mean, my daughter is thinking about possibly going down to the University of Wisconsin when she gra- you know she graduates high school in two years. And you know, I, I mean, one of the things I've been paying attention to is you know between you know the Republicans have basically done a lot of damage to the University of Wisconsin. So this is not just a K yeah. through twelve issue. It's a pre-K issue. It's a it's a college higher education issue. You know, if you're not paying attention on the larger scale of what the Republicans are trying to do here, it, you need to be paying attention because the reality is, is look at that United States Supreme Court. A lot of people weren't paying attention for a long time, and now all of a sudden they are. And it's best to be paying attention before you get to the point where they are yeah. putting on, you know, putting on that 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 fifth far right conservative justice. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's it's a uh, it's you know it's it is it, super scary when you know when our legislature is telling the University of Wisconsin Madison that they lose thirty million million dollars or so in like in like basic admit like base, paying your professors and basic stuff if unless you get rid of the diversity equity and inclusion you know programs that you've you've created like they're 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 making this like. Like you know, this they're hijacking. You know, with using the culture wars, they're they're defunding uh, our universities. Uh, you know, in a way that that you know you you have to say, okay, well, I can't I mean I can't keep my professors. You know, I can't make this. It's like it's a false choice, right? It's like it's like I have to defund the diversity. You know, the equity and inclusion and diversity department if I want to maintain a high quality education. You know, but. But part of that high-quality education is teaching kids from the rural parts of Wisconsin about how to how to how to think about people of color, how to think mm-hmm. about you know the LGBTQ plus community because they've never dealt with it before, and it, it helps when you have those programs. So that's part and parcel of education. But they're trying to divide and conquer uh, with with these with these like with these really uh, like you know draconian uh, 
you know, choices that they're mm-hmm. forced, forcing the university to make. You know, uh, Kirk, I'm just going to give a little suggestion from good old Minnesota here. When I, whenever you hear Republicans start talking about education po- policy, uh, I got two words for them. Screw you. And <laughs> that's at the end of that. No, we're not doing that. I prefer good teachers. I have good quality schools. I prefer to basically not have a wealthy person gouge our public school system. And God forbid we don't have good college, uh, colleges and universities. All right. So you're going to be joining Patty Vasquez. This is going to be on every Thursday now. Yeah, every Thursday, uh, we're going to keep on, it's open-ended. Um, we're going to file a lawsuit probably in the next week or two against the state of Wisconsin. And, uh, and we've got, you know, plaintiffs have come out of the woodwork who are, you know, have kids in, in public education and have seen the private schools, these voucher school systems hurt kids. So we're going to announce this lawsuit in about a week or two or file it. Um, and then it, what the, the reason I'm doing these radio shows with Patty is that is that like 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 I'm saying they're going to come after us? You know, I'm going to say we're trying to defund people of color in Milwaukee. We're trying to make we're trying to rip rip a good education out of these poor kids' hands. So I'm not going to do this in a vacuum just to sue. I wanted to actually bring on some national experts. You know, we've got a national expert tonight from Jersey, the Harvard Law School uh, uh, a lawyer who's 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 suing like public school public money for public schools. The chef, that's what, that's the organization she works for. They're they're trying to overturn voucher programs all around the country, and they're, she's going to talk about how this started and where it's winning and, and and where it has won, where voucher schools have won, like how it's decimated the state school system. So, well, and, and Kirk, and Kirk, if I could step in there because we, we are running out of time here. So, I want to make sure everyone listens for this because obviously this is important. And in Wisconsin, just right across the river, hello Hudson, you're part of our metro area. So, you know, you basically this is the fight that's going on. Patty's show is on the air here at 11 o'clock at night, right after Ghost Box Radio. Make sure you're listening for that. And then every Thursday, obviously, there's going to be a lot more guests here, and it's going to be very important. And if you do want to help out, there will be obviously calls to action and stuff like that, things you can maybe help out from in Minnesota to help out in Wisconsin, because what the Republicans are doing over there, it's I, I, it's not a joke. Wisconsin's where democracy goes to die. And that's and the yeah. Republicans are eagerly doing this. Uh, Kirk Bagdad, uh, Bankstead, uh, Kirk, of course, Minocqua Brewing Company, uh, as well, uh, Kirk, I, I all my best with you and Patty, and uh, thank you very much. I we, I definitely want to hear more about this lawsuit. So let's have you back on before too much longer, okay? Awesome, man. Can't can't wait to uh, talk to you again. And I got more news for you. I got it, Kirk. Thank you very much, Kirk Bankstead from uh, of course uh, going to be on with Patty Vasquez tonight, eleven o'clock hour. Let's take a break. Get back. Wrap up the hour. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM nine fifty. From chasing fall colors on a scenic road trip to epic hikes, fall festivals, apple orchards, or long hours on a patio, fall in Minnesota offers clear blue skies, an endless tapestry of color, and unmatched beauty, perfect for setting the stage for any colorful adventure. Plan your dream trip at exploreminnesota.com. Sponsored by Explore Minnesota, aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McDowell Show. There you go. Uh, two things. One, uh, Kirk kind of buried the lead there. What was that about a lawsuit you guys are filing? That should have been number one thing we should have been talking about, I think. Um, here is one thing, though, I, I, I really kind of want to make sure that he does. He needs to kind of understand. And this is, I think, one of the main problems that they, they kind of... 
bless them over in Wisconsin. Here's part of your problem. You guys don't want to talk about the long game because you think it's too freaking ethereal. And the reality is, is you need to be talking about the long game. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to come back next hour and talk a lot about long game for the Republicans because the Republicans are playing a very different game than Democrats are. Democrats are, what, 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 they're, what Republicans are doing is trying to burn down the world and Democrats act like putting out the little fire next, next to them is stopping it. And they don't realize how they're getting outmaneuvered and outplayed. We kind of get that here in Minnesota. We, we kind of get what the long game is here. And don't be afraid of showing it because it's a heck of a lot harder to undo the damage after it's already been done than just to stop it in the first place. And that's just the reality. Now, once again, Wisconsin, you kind of are in a real tough spot there. And I feel sorry for you, but that's just kind of what it is. All right. Um, yeah, you, you guys got to it, it's got a long way to come. But I mean, I, I hope that I have hope that there's there's times are changing but very slowly in Wisconsin. Hour two, that's coming up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Thursday. And we'll ha- we'll uh, podcast the uh, Kirk uh, interview that we did there because I think, I think it is important. And it's one of those things, if I can just be blunt, we need to be grateful every single stinking day that we're not Wisconsin. And I, and I really do mean that we, we need to be, uh, you know, grateful every stinking day that we are, are not Wisconsin because it, Wisconsin, it, it is going to be, uh, it is going to be, um, uh, a long haul. They still, I mean, I'm going to get to this here. And, and once again, we're going to talk about long game here, but I got a, you know, I, I retweeted something here um, do you have, you, you got the Twitter up there and running there? Okay. So this is, this is about a minute and 10 seconds. This is, um, uh, Jason Smith. He's a representative from Missouri. He's the house ways and means committee. And they, they once again, one of the, we're going to talk a little bit about this impeachment hearing. And once again, Republicans keep referring to coincidences as quote unquote evidence. And evidence is stuff like, oh, I don't know, boxes of documents in a bathroom at Mar-a-Lago. That's evidence. This is, it's suspicious, and they try to keep presenting as, oh, we have all this evidence of wrongdoing. They don't have any evidence of wrongdoing. Jonathan Turley, you heard this in the news at the top of the hour. Jonathan Turley came on out and said, hey, you don't have enough here to impeach anyone. You don't have, you haven't breached that cause. It's not, there. there is a goal here, but... Uh, Brett, if we could, uh, let's play the video here. This is audio here from uh, video. I mean, it's a radio station. What am I supposed to do here? Uh, Representative Jason Smith, who's an idiot. And this is him going after NBC News. NBC News is basically just confronting him about a reality that if Joe Biden wasn't the vice president of the United States, nor was he the candidate to become the president, that was still two years off. How in the world did he use his political pressure to basically get something done in 2017. So here here it is. Here. You explain the timing then of the August 6th WhatsApp message. Why is that evidence of some wrongdoing? I'm not an expert on the timeline. I would love to have um, President Biden and his family to tell us about all the timelines. But if he's not the president or the vice president at that time, where where's the wrongdoing? He wasn't even a candidate for president at that time. He was a candidate. In... Uh, on, in August 6th of so 2017. Apparently, uh, apparently, what source are you with? 
I'm with NBC. So apparently you'll never believe us. I'm not saying uh, I don't believe you. I'm asking you for, I'm asking you a very direct question. You presented a piece of evidence that you say came on August 6, 2017, that demonstrates that Joe Biden was using political influence to help his son. If he wasn't a political figure at that time, the first WhatsApp message you put up, how does that demonstrate that there's some sort of political influence being put over him if at that time he is not a political, he's not an elected official? I'm definitely not going to pinpoint one item. I think we've outlined... You presented it. You're, it numerous. was your first thing that you brought up. So apparently you don't agree with it. So it's not that I don't agree with it. I'm asking you to explain it. I'll take the next question. <laughs> Is there anything on the planet that Yakety Sacks can't make better? I don't think so. I don't think so. As a matter of fact, my funeral, Yakety Sacks, man. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just be blaring it off the hearse. Da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, oh, that's them basically being called out saying, okay, because that's what the, their evidence. He was using political pressure in 2017. And the NBC journalist said, wait a second here. He wasn't the vice president or the president, nor was he a candidate. How was he using political pressure at that point? And when it, it, in, if you've not seen the video, you're watching, um, uh, this tub of goo uh, <laughs> that's just, that basically realized that he's he's now he's the point person and he has to basically um, try to figure out a, an answer here, which eventually he doesn't. I mean, he he does everything. He attacks NBC News. He tries this. He tries to say you don't agree with me. I said I don't agree with you. I mean, this is your evidence. You're presenting this evidence. How is it this political? If it was the case, it long game. All right. There is, I think, a reluctance and and kind of talked a little bit about, about this with Kirk over at uh, when he joined us there last hour about, you know, we don't want to necessarily get into the long game. You kind of got to start getting into the long game. Because if you're not really paying attention, the the long game here is going to cost us and cost us dearly. In, in this country if we don't start paying attention to it. This whole thing, I, I, I got three for you here that I'm going to basically tie all these stories together because this is ba Republicans, the long game is to kill democracy. And they are on the verge of being able to get it done. They, It is my belief now that the Republicans... I think they realized how close they actually got to actually doing it in 2020 and 2021, January 6, 2021. I think they realize, wow, if this hadn't been an attempted overthrow of the government by the stupidest people on the planet, we might have actually gotten away with it. And that is, you know, that story of Trump frantically grabbing the trying to grab the secret service steering wheel and turn the car around because he felt like if if they're on the stairs if I make a showing they'll go out there and kill every one of those you know congressmen and senators and congressmen and I'll be installed as the the president again there have you ever seen the movie Brad do you ever see the movie 2012 John Cusack oh yeah yeah mm -hmm. you know just god awful movie <laughs> It's basically, it's, it's uh, just a slight bit dated now. It said that because of the Mayan calendar, 
lined up that basically we're going to see some sort of major earth crust shift and basically it's going to wipe out most of the world and yay look it's you know millions of people dying while they make a, a great escape yeah, great that's yeah d- depressing the part of the cult the, the the underlying story of that movie is that they know it's coming they kind of start figuring out something is going on here and so they, what they do is they come up with this plan that the ultra-wealthy can basically save themselves. They basically can buy a spot on one of these, you know, cruise ships, for lack of a better way to say it, and have themselves, you know, you know save themselves and float out to sea. And basically, you know, once the, the earth crust shift is done— they basically can land and start, you know, propagating society again. Boy, oh boy, won't it be hilarious when all the millionaires and billionaires have to go and start planting crops? Anyway, they kind of skip out of that whole thing, but it's, it's, you know, I think they think to themselves there's going to be like lounge chairs and people bringing them drinks for the rest of their life. Eh, you're going to basically have to, you know, good luck fighting off the tigers. You know, I just, and I'm not talking the Detroit tigers and the pennant chase. No, I'm talking, you know, tiger tigers. But you know, it, it, claws, teeth. It'll be a see, it, It'll be a hoot when you find out. Anyway, there is this idea of the people that are on these boats, who just kind of you. You kind of realize that there is this. There's a one guy that's on the boat who's basically keeps saying. You know, there's plenty of space. We can put tons more people on here. We need to save as many people as we can. And of course, you know, daylight dollar short sort of thing, you know, that as the earth is destroying itself, you know, well, maybe you should have thought about that more boats beforehand. But you get to the point and all these people sort of sit around and kind of just, you know, there's this this kind of, I don't want to call remorsefulness, but there's just kind of this realization that they're kind of going along for the ride, that their money has gotten them an opportunity, but they're kind of just going along for the ride. That, in my mind, is most of the Republican Party in this country right now, is they see where the people who are pulling their strings are taking this country. It's just they have convinced themselves, well, I got a spot on the boat and sure, a lot of people are going to suffer, but I'm going to be on the boat. And so, you know, I I don't want everyone to suffer. I don't think this is going to be great what's going to happen to all these people. But me and my family, were on the boat. And so good luck, everybody. And that's kind of the mentality of the modern Republican. Because the long game is something you need to pay attention to. The long game is... Republicans are trying to overthrow the democracy of the United States of America. Plain and simple. And this is, this is we are closer to fascism than we've ever been in this country, hands down, not even close. You have the man who tried to overthrow the government, who's bragged about trying to overthrow the government, who basically sent an angry mob to overthrow the government. And not only does he brag about it, but his supporters still like, isn't he the greatest? He wanted to hang Mike Pence. And to tell you how kind of screwed we are, as one person pointed out when I talked about Dean Phillips and his, I like to work with the other side crap. 
You mean the side that just tried to overthrow the government of the United States? That side? Your buddies? No. So let's talk a little bit about this, 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 what, what their larger game plan is. The larger game plan is to erode democracy to where they can install, because they can't win. They know that their time is running short. They've got to keep the system rigged or they will lose in mass across the board. They will have massive losses, even in states where only 20 years ago, no one would even think of voting Democrat. I mean, they've already lost two of them. Arizona and Georgia, I think, are gone. I think there's a decent chance you start looking at states like maybe not Florida because they're in their fever dream, but Ohio, I think, is probably, I mean, you're going to see a big shift in Ohio. Would I be surprised if I saw Missouri coming back into play for the Democrats? Not at all. You've got a, you, you what you've got is a, Republican Party that's dependent on baby boomers to get elected. The baby boomers are, sadly, dying off in droves. Meanwhile, they're being replaced by this Generation Z who overwhelmingly hate them. So they've got to figure out some way to stay in power. And they've done a magnificent job. You cannot underestimate the ability of the Republicans, which represent a minority viewpoint in this country, to control as much as they have. Take a look at Wisconsin. They surgically gerrymandered those districts with, with, with like precision, with a scalpel to basically take it to where it was a 55-45 Democratic-leaning state to where the Democrats have no chance. I'll get back to Wisconsin here in a second. But let's talk about what the main goal here of the Hunter, of the, the, the George, uh, Joe Biden impeachment inquiry is. Is it to actually find solution? No. Is it actually, they're hoping that they might be able to do a whitewater thing where they find, uh, oh, he lied about Monica Lewinsky sort of thing as they initially started investigating a you know, land, land deal in Arkansas, who once again, it was always hilarious that after that, that, oh, oh by the way, we, you know, on Christmas day, on Christmas day, they released their findings saying, oh, by the way, we couldn't find anything, anything illegal in the land deal in Arkansas. But hey, you know, he lied about Monica Lewinsky, that sort of thing. They desperately want to find something, but the whole goal of this is not to find anything at all. The whole goal of this is to keep this inquiry open until election day. That's the whole goal of it. They're going to do this dog and pony show for a year. Not because they have any evidence. They have no evidence. They have no evidence at all. Just because they want to be, they got to try to keep this election close. And so they're just, every day they're going to come on out like that, that clip we played early. The point of that clip was listen to him say we have evidence. And the NBC News guy said, you don't have any, any evidence of anything. And this is by your own admission. And they say, we got tons of evidence. It's like, you don't have any of the evidence. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of the opposite of Sherlock Holmes. It's like, oh, you're, you're, you're really clueless here, aren't you? The whole point of the Joe Biden impeachment hearing is not to actually impeach him. Well, they might actually try to. But it's just to basically keep this whole thing open to just try to, you know, kind of, you know, do that thing where, you know, they'll have a press conference and all of a sudden someone will run up with a sheet of paper and they'll all, they'll put on their glasses and look like, we have to go to an emergency meeting and kind of act like they just got the smoking gun sort of thing.
Republicans on Thursday held their first formal hearing into the impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden, uh, revisiting uh, President Joe Biden, revisiting the dubious claim that he corrupted the vice presidency to enrich his family almost a decade ago. Two of the three expert witnesses Republicans called, however, said lawmakers still need more evidence if they actually want to impeach the president. While I believe that an impeachment inquiry is warranted, I do not believe the evidence currently meets the standard of a high crime and misdemeanor needed to for an article of impeachment, said George Washington University professor Jonathan Turley, who you know, changed that L to a D, and I think he got it right. Turley testified in favor of impeaching Bill Clinton in 1998 against impeaching Donald Trump in 2019. Yeah, the, the guy that, yeah. Sure. Um, this year, Republicans have added already an extensive record examining the question of whether Joe Biden improperly pushed for the firing of a Ukrainian prosecutor in 2015 while his son Hunter Biden had a lucrative role on the board of Ukrainian energy company. Once again, all these accusations come from one guy who showed up, said all these things, and then no one can find him. This was one guy who came in, made claims, didn't offer any evidence of it, but this is the smoking gun they have, and no one knows who this guy was. They've tried to find him. There is nothing there. Bruce Dubinsky, a forensic, a forensic accountant, told lawmakers that Republicans had amassed a great deal of evidence involving Hunter Biden and questioned about the prop, uh, property of his overseas business dealings. However, much of the information is still needed in order to ma- be able to answer these questions and make a final determination as to whether or not the Biden family and its associate businesses were involved in any improper or illicit activities and whether those activities, if any, were connected to President Joe Biden or then Vice President Biden. Uh, Dvinsky said, it's not clear of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy will eventually follow through with that actual vote impeaching Biden. Several Republicans have voiced skepticism on both the idea of impeachment and underlying corruption claim. That's why McCarthy and other top Republicans have stressed that the inquiry is just that, an inquiry. By beginning an impeachment inquiry, our investigation is now focused on whether Biden engaged in improper impeachable offenses under the U.S. Constitution, said James Comey, Comer on, uh, from Kentucky, said on a top, uh, at the top of the Thursday hearing. Citing emails from Hunter Biden and his associates, Representative Jim Jordan claimed Biden had urged Ukraine to fire its prosecutor general, Victor Shorkin, in 2015 and 2016 in order to benefit Burisma, the company then it was employed with his vice president's son. Then President Donald Trump championed the acquisition, uh, the, 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 the acquisition in 2019 and had tried to make the Ukrainian government announce the investigation of the Bidens, including withholding military aid. So once again, what's this all about? This is all, there's no evidence. There is no evidence that Joe Biden has done anything wrong at all. But how many court cases do you have against Donald Trump? So this is their whole goal. And they will hold it. They don't want to take a vote on this until maybe like three days before the election. Then they'll try to impeach him, you know, and and then the election. Well, unless it's so unpopular, because I think in a year, if they don't have any evidence at all and they're still trying to drag this out, I think that even there, a lot of Republicans are like, what are you doing here? And I think the last thing they'll want to do right before the election is basically, you know, you know, try to do something that's unpopular. But if that's the case, I got more on the Biden hearing today and why, once again, that you got to look at the whole long game. This game is about getting Donald Trump back in office. And if Donald Trump gets back in office, democracy as we know it is over. End of study. That, that's it. I mean, democracy is, he will never leave the White House. He will never leave it. And the Republicans that are in power right now will never, ever 
go against him. It will be the end of democracy. And they, like I said, they, they're, they're realizing how close they actually got in 2021 on January 6th. And so now they're trying to come back and do this in an end around. And they're doing it through all these little shifty things, but it's all the same thing. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. So once again, what are we looking at here? The long game. The long game is to get Trump into office and then he never leaves. And he can appoint his kids. He can do anything there. And the same people who claim they love the Constitution in this this country will scream, this is what the founding fathers wanted. This is what the founding fathers wanted. In the same sense as the founding fathers very much explicitly said they want separation of church and state. And how many Republicans do you hear saying the, the, the founding fathers wanted the, the, the religion to be part of the state? You know, you're like, geez, really? You guys aren't even you guys aren't even trying at this point. So once again, the Biden impeachment hearing, it's not about basically trying to find guilt because there is nothing there. Even their own witnesses. Say, I don't see anything here. I mean, if you didn't catch the, the 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 testimony for a few weeks back where his business partner came in and they thought this was going to be that smoking gun. And the business partner was like, no, I, I never saw anyone, you know, saw, saw Hunter ever talk to his dad about anything more than what they're doing for their Sunday and golf and sports and stuff like that. And it was just, it was completely annihilated any case they had. And and it, it does not help the Republicans that their so-called IRS whistleblowers are being exposed as the frauds they are as well. Former pro- federal prosecutor and University of Michigan law professor Barbara McQuaid walked through the information presented by Republicans in the House Oversight Committee on Thursday whether it is enough to lead to a conviction or impeachment of President Joe Biden. And MSNBC's Chris Jansing played a clip of Nancy Mace accusing Biden of— Nancy Mace, once again, one of the so-called moderate Republicans, accusing Biden of having an office space that housed a Chinese-aligned company. She also accused Hunter Biden of calling, calling his father the family's only asset— is what you is that what constitutes evidence as you know it? Jansing asked, or is there anything you will hear to, so far today, Barbara, that constitutes evidence of high crimes or misdemeanors? And McQuaid said simply none, none whatsoever. She explained that when criminal investigation is started, it must be a predication that the means, sound evidence, articulable evidence from which you can believe the crime has been committed that should begin an investigation. McQuaid also noticed that the public officials, there's typically a necessity for two pieces of evidence to be submitted before an investigation starts. Here we have some puffery out of the mouth of Hunter Biden, she explained. Was Hunter Biden trading on his father's name? It appears he absolutely was shamelessly, but that has nothing to do with Joe Biden himself. So until they have evidence that Joe Biden was involved in some sort of illegal activity or some sort of activity that compromised his ability to serve as the president of the United States, inquiry is really out of bounds in my view. Then came this magic moment today. Republicans panicked, panicked. You've got to go see the video of this. This is pretty hilarious. As a line of questioning on the impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden turned to Rudy Giuliani's involvement in searching for information in Ukraine and Representative Mumfi, uh, um, um, uh, Fumi, Fumi, excuse me, uh, Representative Fumi, a Democrat of Maryland, motioned for subpoena the former president's ex-lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. 
Republicans immediately called for his motion to be tabled, but too many chairs in the room were empty for them to secure that vote. So Representative James Comer called for a voice vote, but Democrats asked for the names to be recorded. Comer tried to railroad the request, but it wasn't working. So basically, there was a lot of seats that were empty here because Republicans come in there for their, their screen time. I'm outraged. And then they leave. Well, Fumi gets with, he sees this and says, okay, well, let's get Rudy Giuliani in here, which, by the way, is a very legitimate request. All of these initial early accusations about wrongdoing with the Biden family with Ukraine came directly from Rudy Giuliani. So he's just saying, let's get him on in here and have him testify. They didn't have enough votes to basically stop the vote on this. Jim Jordan stood up and paced in the back row, nervously licking his lips and giving orders to people who hurried from the room. Uh, nice description there. Representative Nancy Mace then came in and asked what was going on. Comer told her it was about subpoenaing Giuliani. Well, he doesn't have a lot to do with this, Mace said before voting to table the subpoena. Basically, once again, this is, uh, you know, it's clear he does. It's just they don't want him anywhere near this. After Republicans were able to bring back their members, they passed the motion to table Giuliani's subpoena. Fumi wasn't happy. I do reclaim my time and ask my question, where in the world is Rudy Giuliani, he shouted. And what is and that is how we got here, ladies and gentlemen. This committee is afraid to bring him before us and put him on the record. Shame. The question was raised, what does this have to do with it? It has everything to do with it. And witness, uh, University of Wisconsin law professor Michael Gerhardt, in your testimony, you said, in every impeachment inquiry beforehand, the House has identified some credible evidence of wrongdoing committed by the targeted president. Is that correct? Yes, sir, said Gerhardt. Would you say that the House Republicans have made an unprecedented overreach of congressional power, Fumi asked? It strikes me that they have, the GOP witness said. Where is Rudy Giuliani? And by the way, that should be a pretty good call because that was his, this was his deal. So when they don't want Rudy Giuliani where anywhere near this committee hearing, can you imagine? First of all, there's, there's a, well, I'd say a 60% chance to be drunk. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Oh, can you imagine? Oh my God. That would be hilarious. But you want to impeach, okay, you want to impeach the president on something that you say happened in Ukraine. The guy that brought all that stuff forward, allegedly, that did not ever happen, was Rudy Giuliani. When someone says, let's say from Rudy Giuliani, you guys frantically, and like I said, the Republican leadership on that committee frantically went to get every Republican back in the committee room so they could table the subpoena. God, they're lucky. They're lucky like someone didn't fly out or something like that. It'd been hilarious. Uh, they probably would have tabled it, though. They would have probably gotten enough votes to table it, not to have the You're vote. It right, wouldn't it. have taken much with a narrow majority. Yeah. A couple missing. Yep. The whole point of this is not to actually impeach Joe Biden. The whole point of this whole thing is just to basically have a scandal out against Joe Biden. And that before that, and so when they're on Fox News and they're on OAN and, and they're on Newsmax and they're all on these, these far right leaning networks. So before we get to Trump, which we're only going to dedicate 20 seconds to, let's spend the next hour talking about how guilty Joe Biden is. That's why they keep saying evidence. They don't have evidence. They have 
at best circumstantial. And most of it isn't even circumstantial. It's just a wish list of things they wish they could find on Joe Biden. But it's not just, this is not just something that is happening on the federal level. Republicans, you once again, you have to understand the long game here, folks. The control of the Republican Party is not just two or three people. It's not just, oh, well, we have to watch out for them. This is absolute control from up high. Every state party, every county party, every federal candidate, every single one of them is taking the marching orders, and there's an agenda and a game plan on the wall to basically break down what they have to do. When I come back after the break, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to take a few minutes here to talk about, once again, the long game and how it's playing out here in Minnesota, how it's playing out in Wisconsin as well. Because the Republicans are frantically trying to hold just enough power so that they can basically try to install Trump as president for life. We'll come back to that. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota is the Matt McNeil Show. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you, you send a mob of people to go over to the attack the U.S. Capitol on January 6th that, you know, and you're trying to, to overthrow a legitimate election where you lost. Um, the, uh, the thing which uh, someone might say is like, boy, that was an insurrection. That should negate that person. I mean, I, I'm, I'm shocked we don't have a law on the books that prevents that person from, oh, I don't know, ever trying to hold office again. Funny story, we do, courtesy of the post-Civil War United States, the 14th Amendment, Section 3, Disqualification from Holding Office. I shall read from <clears throat> the liberal dialogue that is the Constitution of the United States of America. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of the president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who has previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of the state legislature, as an executive or judicial officer of any state, and to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Marjorie Taylor Greene basically going out there and you know telling all the, the traitors to America, you're victims. Yep. But Congress may vote by two-thirds in each house to remove such a disability. So it basically, the, the concept was this. All those Confederates, you, you can't be in office anymore. Now, say they came across someone who seemed to, to try to make amends for what they had done as a Confederate. Um, about the only one I can think of is Longstreet. That's the guy that became the police chief in New Orleans. And to, to most of the knowledge, basically accepted the loss, accepted the new the rules, as opposed to the rest of those traitorous bastards. But, you know, and Longstreet wasn't that great either. But still, I mean, if, if, if you all of a sudden had someone who, you know, hey, they're better now. They're no longer racists. <laughs> I don't think it works that way, but sure, okay. Uh, yeah, then two-thirds of the House, two-thirds of the Senate can say, okay, fine, you can run for office. It's pretty cut and dry. Donald Trump did try to overthrow the government of the United States. He himself 
has multiple times bragged about doing so. Bragged about it. Bluntly. Trying to overthrow the government. <laughs> it's, it's Hang Mike Pence. It still blows my mind, the Cassidy Hutchinson thing. Blows my mind. We had a president of the United States actually sitting in the White House calling, screaming, hang him, hang him, while the crowd was talking, you know, about Mike Pence, while the crowd was getting angry out at, and, and at the Capitol. So I bring up this little pesky little liberal doctrine called the 14th Amendment, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution, to laugh and laugh and laugh at the Republican Party of Minnesota. The Republican Party filed a petition with the state Supreme Court late Wednesday saying, that barring former President Donald Trump from the ballot would cut away party members' constitutional rights, especially the First Amendment right of the association. You can't actually do that. You can't use one constitutional right to violate, to, to argue against another constitutional right. The state GOP response said an earlier petition seeking to bar Trump asked the state Supreme Court to flip federalism on its head, usurp federal authority by asserting that the court the Secretary of State have an authority to disqualify a candidate for federal office. Well, you actually, there are lots of reasons. But once again, the 14th Amendment, Section 3. You try to overthrow the government, guess what? Too bad. Scoreboard. Uh, this is the Republican Party's first submitted substantive response to the petition filed earlier this month with the state's high court. The petition seeks to keep Trump off the ballot because of his role in the insurrection on January 6th. The state GOP response mirrored the Trump camp's answer into a similar case in Colorado by saying the First Amendment protects the former president by basically saying, you can overthrow the government, throw the other government and install me as president. And that's, <coughs> that's, not, that's not freedom, that's freedom of speech. Once again, freedom of speech does have its limits. You can't scream insurrection in a movie theater. I guess I, that you, get, you get where I'm going with that. Uh, Trump's own lawyers have filed a response later saying, among other things, the matter doesn't belong in a Minnesota court. And they disputed that Trump did anything other than encourage a peaceful pro. <laughs> oh, hang Mike Pence. He's screaming. He wants to hang his own vice president while in the White House. Uh, rioters were at the Capitol. Trump repeatedly publicly urged them to be peaceful and go home. His lawyers wrote, Really? I don't remember any of that. I remember this. Hello. I love you. It's time to go home. <laughs> I remember that. And he called them very special people. You're special to me. Yeah. I call you. You're all like Big Macs. <laughs> I call you my bucket of chicken. All of you, there's a wing and there's a drumstick. Oh, and I love you most of all, breast. <laughs> That's what got him into trouble with Stormy Daniels. Okay. No, the spanking with his own magazine with his face on it. You know, Christian values. Anywho, let's, we, don't, we don't have to rehash all that. You guys already sold your soul to the devil a lot of times, man. The petition seeking to bar Trump was filed by the National Nonprofits Free Speech of Pe for People, and a bipartisan group of Minnesotans, including former Secretary of State Joan Groh, former State Supreme Court Justice Paul H. Anderson, the free, uh, free Speech of People petition targeting Trump cited the Insurrection Disqualification Clause of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The clause, inspired by the Civil War, says former public officials are barred from running for office again 
if they have given aid or comfort to enemies engaging in an insurrection rebellion against the United States, no criminal conviction is required. It is not required. <sighs> He's admitted to it, for God's sakes. But their whole argument is freedom of speech allows you to basically say, murder that person. And then when someone murders that person, that basically, I had nothing to do with that. I just said to murder them. I didn't murder them. It's not how it works. Here's where I want to expose the Republicans for the frauds that they are, and they are frauds. If this was reversed, if this was reversed, and a Democratic candidate for president had sour grapes and lost fair and square and tried to far, you know, get a, a, a group of their supporters to storm the Capitol and overturn the election. Even if there wasn't the abundance of violence that came with that, with officers getting beaten while the White House withheld the, the Defense Department from getting in there and keeping the Capitol safe. Even if we didn't have all that evidence of that going on. If it was just a peaceful protest, every single Republican in the state would proudly, they'd be running up to let me put my name on this petition of the court to stop that Democrat from ever appearing on a ballot again. And they would have done it February of 2021. Three or four weeks after the insurrection, they would have at that point gotten that Democrat off the ballot. With how dare they? And they would have been smug. Here it is. Trump admits he tried to do what he tried to do. Outright. Not even a question. And here they are, all of them, insisting nothing to see here. Because they've got to keep him on the ballot even though he shouldn't be there. Now, we should be grateful. This is just this stupid clown car that is the Minnesota Republican Party there. In Wisconsin, it is... Even worse, if you haven't been paying attention, the Democrats now have a one-seat majority on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. They run over there as political campaigns. And it should be noted that in political campaigns for many years, Republicans would openly talk about, I'm going to make sure I rule against abortion. I'm going to make sure I rule against the unions. I'm going to make sure I, I make sure that the corporations get as much as they can. They've, oh, the, the conservative justices have consistently argued exactly how they would rule on a case, which is a hoot considering what they're trying to do right now. The Wisconsin Supreme Court on Tuesday rejected a lawsuit liberals had filed early this month seeking to prohibit the legislature from impeaching liberal justice Janet Protasiewicz. The high court decision not to hear the case follows Republican legislators stretch to impeach Protasiewicz if she presides over two redistricting lawsuits calling the, the current legislative map rigged during her election campaign. Now, once again, Conservatives have run for the Wisconsin Supreme Court for years talking about exactly how they're going to rule on cases. Not once did any Republican have any problem with that. The Republicans have to keep these, these gerrymandered districts in place so that they once again, as the, major, the minority, the Republicans are the minority in Wisconsin, they can still control the state should be noted that some states have actually started filing charges against the people who tried to overthrow the government of the United States. Michigan, Georgia, 
not Wisconsin. They've actually tried to get protections to protect the traitors to this country from ever being held accountable. Republicans. The Supreme Court hasn't accepted the two redistricting cases yet, nor has Protasiewicz said she would recruit herself from those cases. In a brief order on Tuesday, justices rejected the petition by two uh, Protasiewicz voters uh, for the high court to take the case, even though it's been heard in circuit it, it, before it's been heard in circuit court. The plaintiffs have argued that impeaching uh, the justice would violate the constitutional rights of the Wisconsinites who voted for her, which it clearly would. I mean, this is they lost. This is them trying to do an end around to stop this from happening. The justices gave no explanation for rejecting the lawsuit, from which Protasiewicz recused herself um, soon after the case was filed. Republicans say Protasiewicz must recuse, or recuse herself from the redistricting cases challenging the current mass because she prejudged them. Democrats say her comments weren't illegal, that impeaching her would nullify the election. Republicans haven't formally started impeachment proceedings against her, but Assembly Speaker Robin Voss ha- has convened a secret panel of past Wisconsin Supreme Court justices to advise them on whether the newly minted liberal justices' past actions are impeachable. And once again, which is hilarious is this. This is the Speaker of the Assembly, Robin Voss, talking to former state Supreme Court justices, and he just came out today and said, I'm not going to let anyone see who I'm talking to and what we're saying because these are just private. There is nothing here that's public as the Speaker of the Assembly, this just tells you how outrageous this is in Wisconsin right now. The Assembly can impeach an official with a majority vote based on specific reasons, corrupt conduct in office, or for the commission of a crime or a misdemeanor, according to the Wisconsin Legislative Council memo. But Protasiewicz's statements don't fall into those categories, the lawsuit stated. The conduct of Justice Protasiewicz cannot be in any sense historically deemed as corrupt, the lawsuit states. Justices routinely do not recuse themselves from issues upon which they have expressed clear points of view or that the context of the previous donors of their campaigns appearing before them as litigants. Separately, former Wisconsin State Court Justices Janine Gresky and Louis but- Lewis Butler penned a column last week arguing that Protasiewicz's opinions aren't impeachable. UW-Madison's law professor Robin Yablon and Derek Klinger, an attorney at UW-Madison State Democrac- uh, Democracy Research Initiative, have also said Protasiewicz doesn't have to recuse herself and then impeaching her would be a blow to the principle of judicial independence. It would be, it's where democracy goes to die. Because this is, they have to have Wisconsin in the Republican camp. They have to have Wisconsin. Now, I, I, frankly, I can't see even how this would endear them to them. I, as a matter of fact, I think that there would be massive marches on the Wisconsin state capitol if they tried to do this. But the reality is, is they're so brazen in Wisconsin, they don't care that it clearly looks like they're trying to overthrow the government. They're just going to do it. Because that's what unchecked power does. Don't fool yourself. This is what this is all heading towards. They got to get Donald Trump back into office. And they know that they're basically getting ready to bite down on a third serving of a crap sandwich. But they're, they're trying to basically turn Joe Biden into, at least they're hoping, no better than Donald Trump. And here's where I get really scared. I have a huge fear there's already a plan in place to try to assassinate Joe Biden right before the election. I've got a huge fear of this. If none of this stuff works, 
if the Biden impeachment doesn't go through, if, if all of a sudden Trump's not even on ballots in some states, if Wisconsin and other states jerry-rig the system to where they can't jerry-rig the system to where the Republican is an automatic layup, then the only option these people have left is to try to assassinate the president of the United States and then in the chaos afterwards say, it was a fair election, it was a fair election. That's keeping me up at night lately, if you want to know the truth. That's keeping me up at night because I think at the end of the day, that's the end game these people are going towards. And that scares me to death. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Oh, yeah, it's dark, Matt. <laughs> it's, it's dark. But these people are dis- they're, they're determined to stay in power at all costs. Absolutely. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. How about some positivity? I'll go with some positivity because I've got Native Roots Radio. I'm awake. They're coming in here in studio. i got to clear out of here between the, the news here. I can't. I can be lollygagging around today. Uh, they're going to be in here, uh, Robert and Haley, today. Uh, local anti-racist activists rallied against white supremacy on highway overpass in YZ on Wednesday, hoping to counteract a group of masked white supremacist cowards who spread hateful messages on a pedestrian bridge earlier this month. We're outdoing the Nazis, said uh, Martha McNee, uh, sounding triumphant as the small rally that drew perhaps two dozen people. She's a member of Indivisible Minnesota 03, which is a progressive nonprofit, and the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition, which is appalled by the recent, recent, recent blatant racism, saying the actions of the white supremacists are not the Christian way. Good. Surprise, still surprised this story didn't get more legs with the media in this town. The counter-protest was inspired by the events of September 16th when the group gathered on the bridge over Highway 12 carrying signs that spouted hate speech like end white genocide and diversity means anti-white and while occasionally giving a Nazi salute to passing cars. Josiah Kabira was driving home on high, down Highway 12 when he saw them. His tweet would later gain, garner over 400,000 views. I definitely considered confronting them, but I knew if I just took pictures, put it out there, it would hurt them even more. Cabrera's tweet uh, shows the mass people waving on, on onlookers and oncoming cars. Um, Tyler Grosshoosh first heard about the white supremacists from his wife and noticed the signs driving her home. He's a member of the Twin Cities Democratic Socialists of America, began organizing a counter-protest with some of his DSA friends. He invited the Unitarian Universalist Church of Minnetonka to, to a word spread from re- there. They held uh, homemade signs reading, honk if you love diversity, choose love, fight racism, and were rewarded with a carcophonous honking from below. Carcophonous. And he said the white supremacists do not represent the Wyzetta community, which is why he found it important to represent Wyzetta in a better light. Many of us white, uh, but we feel threatened by white supremacist actions in the area. Outstanding. Outstanding. Show those punks they're not welcome here. And and that's that's just that. Got to show them that they're not welcome there. So good for you guys. Good Wyzetta. Nice. Positive. We'll, we'll keep marching on together, okay? Uh, Native Roots Radio is up next. We're back on a Friday. Have a good one. Till then, see ya.